When you think of all the things that Jesus does in the Gospels, I think that probably it goes something like this. The things that Jesus does in the Gospels are a bunch of nice things. And he says nice words. He, he does nice acts. He says things like, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Sure, he, he gets a little upset. In fact, he gets angry when he finds people who are exploiting the poor in God's name. Even turns over some tables. But inside, you kind of like that scene anyway, don't you? It's kind of fun to think about that one. When Jesus does something in the Gospels, it's good stuff. He's a likable chap. Does likable things. Even heals people. Today's Gospel story, Jesus stops and he heals someone. In one Gospel story in the book of Luke, uh, he's um, walking down the road and there's a, a short guy climbing up in a tree. And Jesus takes time to notice this guy. Invites himself to the guy's house for lunch. His name's Zacchaeus. And in one lunch meeting, he completely revolutionizes Zacchaeus' life. Changes it forever. He does good things for people. Stirs up a little controversy. He's been known to show up at a party or two he probably shouldn't be at. Uh, but most of the stuff he does is good. Most of the stuff is gentle and noble and likable. When you think about Jesus, you probably understand why even there are some people in the world who say things like this. You know, I really like Jesus, but I'm not very much into organized religion. Or something like that. You've heard that, right? Jesus is popular. He's okay. People are pretty much good with Jesus. It's been about three and a half minutes since you heard the gospel read. So let me remind you that sometimes he does things that are a little bit gross. I mean, it's a little bit unsavory, isn't it? Remember the story? He's walking down the street. Sees a blind man, I imagine him with dark glasses, a tin cup, and a white cane. Is that what you're seeing? He, see, he sees this man with his dark glasses and his tin cup, you know, shaking his coins around. And he stops. He takes a knee. He spits on the ground. He grabs some dirt into his little pool of water spit. And he makes mud out of it. Remember, all along, this man is over 30 years old. You know, when a little child plays with his spit in the mud, you're like, oh, come on. But this is a grown man. He makes little mud pies. Remember, the guy's blind. Reaches over and probably pulls his little glasses off. I don't know if he had glasses. But, he, you know, and he takes these little mud pies and he puts them on the man's eyes. The guy's blind. He doesn't know what's coming. I wonder if he said, you know, if Jesus had said to him, you know, I'm going to spit in the ground and make little mud pies and put them on your eyes. I wonder what the fellow would have said. I'm guessing he would have said, really? Um, you know, I'm not so sure about that. Some of you have worked in the medical field or uh, you know people who are doctors or nurses or aides. Some of you have been in hospitals. or You know that there are lots of things that people do in the care and providing for the well-being of human beings that are less than dignified. And sometimes, sometimes they're just downright gross, right? But this is Jesus, the Messiah. Couldn't he have just said abracadabra, you know? Um, hocus pocus, I don't know what you say. You know, poof. And, and the guy's eyes pop open because he does this in other stories. But not in this one. You know, I'm not sure how this story plays out in other cultures. But in our culture, I think this is kind of a, this is a little abrasive to our sensibilities. I, I do remember, though, about six or seven years ago, I went to Africa, and I've mentioned this before. I was in Mozambique. Mozambique is one of the poorest countries on the face of the earth. 
uh, average salary is something like a dollar a day. Okay? And that's by people who work very hard for that. Um, there are over a million people who live in the capital city of Maputo where I was staying. We were part of a work team that was building a, a church. But this was the first time that I really came across people whose sensibilities about cleanliness and hygienic responsibility were, let me say, a little different than ours. Okay, Most people do not have running water in their homes. And so the idea of bathing every day is just its not an accessible idea. But one day, we're on our way to the work site, and I see this man in a river, a dirty river. And he's got soap suds. He's, he's washing up in the river. Whilst he has a toothbrush in his mouth. Okay, He is bathing and brushing his teeth simultaneously in a very dirty river. And I thought to myself, oh my, I don't think I could do that. Another day, we're driving down the road, and we're going past the city dump. In, in a, a, a large city, you can imagine how much uh, waste there is. Okay? And, and because this is a very rudimentary country, they don't have um, a lot of equipment. And so what they do is they bring all their, their trash and they pile it in the dump and they set it on fire. And there are just pillages of smoke coming up out of this dump all day. And as we drove by, the gates were open and I could see in there these people who were covered I mean literally covered head to toe in black soot. And so I said to the, the missionary who I, that I was with, I said to, them, uh, or said to him, what in the world is with that? He said, those people live in the dump. They, have, they, they build shacks in there and they live in there and they go through the trash and try to find stuff to live off of every day. Covered in dirty garbage soot. And I thought again to myself, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know. I'm not in Ohio anymore. This isn't the way, this isn't our sensibilities about cleanliness and hygiene. We like things neat and tidy, even if we ourselves are not neat and tidy. My wife is already starting to think, you hypocrite. But, you know, we like things neat and tidy, even if we ourselves are not neat and tidy. Yeah, we might leave a cereal bowl in the living room, or a Cheeto might somehow find its way into the couch. I don't know how that happens. But we like things cleaned up, don't we? We walk into a restaurant, and if it's a, if it's a mess, you turn around and walk out. We have these expectations of neatness and tidiness. We like things clean. We don't really even like to get our hands dirty, do we? I mean, when, they get, when my hands get dirty, you know, I'm quick to wipe them off. Sometimes I'm out working on a car on a Saturday, and... Get grease under my fingernails and think, I can't go to church with this. You know, I'm, I'm scrubbing and scrubbing and getting that all cleaned off. Jesus is shocking, I think. Not just because of what he does and what he says, but sometimes because of how he does it. I'm shocked how he handles this entire situation. By how he gets his hands dirty in the midst of helping someone. Uh, the, the chapter that precedes this, it's chapter 8. comes right before chapter 9. In chapter 8, he gets in these arguments with these, with these guys called Pharisees. They're, they're religious zealots. Um, uh, don't take this into American political terms. They're religious conservatives. Okay, they're very, they're very uh, holding hard and fast to the traditions of Israel. And they're, they're really angry at Jesus. They try to trap him. They get very frustrated with him. And they say things to him like, you are not of a legitimate birth. I'm guessing John churched that up a little bit for the Bible, don't you? I mean, I think they probably had another word. Maybe that's come to mind. And they said it about Jesus. They also said to him, we know that you're demon-possessed. 
They don't have a very high value of him. They know the right way to God. Jesus doesn't know this. But then there's something else in the story. Did you notice the day on which Jesus healed this man? It was a Sabbath day, wasn't it? It was a Sabbath day. We know from the story that the man is, is older than 13 years old. He's able to give an account for himself. In, in um, uh, Jewish law in the first century, you had to be 13 to offer testimony in court. His parents say he's of age. He must be at least 13. The text seems to indicate he's much older than that. For the sake of argument, let's assume that the man is 21 years of age. Let's even assume it's his 21st birthday. Do you know how many days he would have been alive on his 21st birthday? 7,669. He was alive on his 21st birthday for 7,669 days. Healing is forbidden on the Sabbath. Couldn't Jesus wait just one more day? Would that really be too much to ask? 7,670 days? I mean, the guy's already waited 7,669. What's one more? But he doesn't, does he? He heals him on the Sabbath day. And then there's the whole making mud bit. I've already mentioned this a little bit. He makes mud. What you may not know is that there's another forbidden practice besides healing on the Sabbath day. Something else you couldn't do. You couldn't knead, as in bread. You couldn't, um, you couldn't get together uh, flour and pour water and oil in it and maybe an egg if you had it and knead it together. When Jesus stops, kneels down in the dirt, makes a little pool of spit, throws some dirt in it, right in the presence of his enemies, he is doing something he knows that they forbid. Can't he just for a moment stop causing so much trouble? I mean, just for a minute. Just, just kind of go along to get along. Don't be so provocative. Don't be so problematic. Now, put this all together. Pharisees are ready to kill him. Jesus is doing all sorts of things that they don't like. Provokes them to anger. They want to murder him. Why does he do this? I think he does it because he loves them. He loves even these Pharisees who hate him. He loves them even though they, they can't stand him. He loves them even though they think they wish he was dead. He wants to show them something. He wants them to open their eyes. It's not just about this blind man with his dark glasses and his tin cup and his white cane. It's about the people who are standing there accusing him. He wants them to open their eyes and see something. To see that God is not a God who's afraid to get his hands dirty. A God who really does value human beings. Real people, real flesh and blood. Who's really involved with hurts and pains in a very real world. That God cares more about people than he does about silly religious rules. Um, Just a couple points of application, if you would. And that is that God cares about us. He cares about us as individuals. The man in the story wasn't being punished because he was a sinner. He wasn't being punished because his parents were sinners. He was suffering because he lives in a fallen, broken world. And you know what? We live in the same fallen, broken world. And if you can hear my voice this morning, you've suffered. Um, Maybe some of, you know, well, there's some that are too young to realize they suffered, but they do. It's part of the human condition that we suffer. Some suffer physically, some emotionally, some financially. Some people suffer um, with with 
problematic relationships. Some people suffer thinking that they just have this long string of never-ending bad luck. Some people suffer just a little. And they whine a lot when it happens. Some people suffer a lot. And they do it silently. And internally. I think the gospel this morning says, if you've ever realized that you're suffering, know this, that God cares about it. He enters into our pain and He stops along the road to hear us. In fact, today might be a day that you call out and say, Lord, I really need your help. And He might get down and get His hands dirty for you. I think this passage also says to us that judgmentalism is blindness. None of us are judgmental, of course, right? I mean, we would just ask us, we'll tell you, I'm not very judgmental. But we are, okay? We really are. And, and we, we, we make judgments, and sometimes our judgments slip into judgmentalism. A fellow calls you on the phone and says, Hi, I'm from your bank, and I was just overgrowing your account and noticing it, and I think I, could, um, I think I could help you out. All I need is your social security number, and I'll go ahead and get started with this. And you say to yourself, Wait a minute. This guy's up to no good. He's, he's trying to get some personal information from me. He's trying to steal from me. You made a good judgment. Don't give him your social security number, okay? You know better than that and you hang up. Or some of your friends, you know, you, you have a friend and, and maybe, um, maybe she got involved in, in, you know, using narcotics or drinks too much or, or whatever. And it hurts you to see your friend's life being destroyed and you say something to her like, you know, I really wish you wouldn't do this. You're destroying your life. You're not being judgmental. You're being concerned. You're making a good judgment. That's okay. The difference between making a judgment and being judgmental is that when you're being judgmental, you assume the place of God. You take the place of God and say, you know, I know what God would think about that. I think we ought to be careful about knowing what God thinks about anything and let God do what God does and we do what we do. God has been real clear about some things, but the, the notion of judgmentalism, of having an attitude that takes the place of the Almighty, is blindness according to Jesus. These Pharisees were not bad guys. They were good people who very much wanted that, that Jesus would follow the traditions of, of Israel so that the kingdom of God would come to the world. They were, they were good people. But they were judgmental. I don't think it's an accident uh, or an accidental juxtaposition that Jesus places these two stories side by side and often intertwined. You see, I think sometimes God does stuff to provoke us. He gets his hands dirty in our world so that he can provoke us because he loves us. I love the last line of the, the passage that was read today. Uh, they, they demand, tell us, what do you think about Jesus? Is he a sinner or not? And the, and the guy who had thrown his dark glasses and tin cup off to the side with his white cane says, you know, I really don't know. That's what he says. Whether this man was a sinner, I know not. But this one thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. And I think that's knowing just enough. Amen.